Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fascinating Podcast. We are here with a little extra, and I am Kathy Kong. I'm JR Forceros. And I'm Jennifer Cho. Hey! Uh, Longtime listeners, you'll know that Jennifer Cho is the wife of our co-host, Clay Morgan. And uh, when we we all have a... uh, a message thread with us and our partners and we all were talking about love is blind and only the three of us had seen it and so <laughs> all of our partners and co-hosts steadfastly refused <laughs> probably well, wisely know. my my partner steadfastly refused what about your partners uh clay also steadfastly refused yes. mm-hmm. peter absolutely refused (laughs) he was like what are you watching and i said stop judging i had to watch it for the science you know that's right because it's an experiment experiment, so it's right yep right Uh, and we know how clay has that awkward experience with science exactly that's right, right? Yeah, in yeah. his background so exactly exactly so it makes sense but i had to do right. it so here right. we are that's right so we are going to we thought it would be fun to get on and do an extra about love is blind since we do a, you know we do a lot of extras about pop culture about different movies and stuff we've been watching we thought it would be fun to do this one because this really did become a cultural phenomenon uh i heard about the show i heard about it dropping on netflix i heard that it was doing a weekly release uh but i really didn't pay a lot of attention to it because i don't watch a lot of reality dating stuff uh i i think i mentioned on one of our most recent episodes that i recently discovered love island as the perfect like fall asleep while this is on show or have it on while I'm working because nothing happens on the shows. It's like a soap opera, right? If you miss four episodes, you haven't missed anything. Uh, so it was like, it was like right. the perfect, I used to try to use cooking shows for background and I couldn't cause I would get so sucked in to the show. You know, I either couldn't take my nap or couldn't do my work or whatever I was trying to do. So this is like the perfect, like basically the TV equivalent of white noise. And so that's why I, you know, heard about love is blind. It's like, eh, but then like, Every day I saw more and more and more people talking about it until finally I had to dive in and and watch it. And so I think I watched I watched it like the second to last week it was out. So I had to wait for the finale and then wait for the reunion. Um, so, Jen, what about you? Like, how did you how did you get hooked on Love is Blind? Oh, yeah. So same. I started hearing about it. It was very well advertised. And then uh Clay decided to go on a work trip, so I figured I needed something binge-worthy while he was gone, and I was like, there's no time like now, just watching the first one, and then I completely got sucked in. Like, I think I sat there for two days and watched Love is Blind, so (laughs) I needed to know what was happening, Um, and then I did have to wait for the reunion, so I guess I was just, just behind you, yep, so. And Kathy, what about you? When did you jump on the Love is Blind bandwagon? It was peer pressure. It was actually our group chat thread where I was kind of on the fence and had heard about it, watched the stuff on Twitter, people, you know, kind of watching it as it was dropping. And, you know, it happened on the group chat. And it happened also when Peter was out of the country. So he was in Guatemala. And usually we kind of negotiate what we're watching. And we have a couple shows that we watch together. And suddenly I found myself with total free reign. So I had been binging some Korean dramas and was running out of stuff. I mean, I don't know, not really running out of stuff, but was watching the two of you. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do this. And then I could not stop. (laughs) Okay, so I have a really serious question based on that comment. Um, Did you like the show or could you just not help yourself? I couldn't help myself. Yeah, um, same, same. I think, uh, Kathy, you shared a a tweet where the guy was like, I think I watched 75% of the show with like a pillow on my face. Like, (laughs) that was basically my feeling. Like, I had to watch it. I was ashamed I was watching it, but I just had to get there, so... So let's interrogate that because I think that's yeah. that's a really interesting impulse that I think a lot of us who watch the show share and certainly a lot of the people talking about it shared. I, I don't know. I think there might have been two couples on the show that people were genuinely rooting for. But I think most of the time it was more just like watching the train wreck in slow motion. Well, how did you feel actually? I was backing same. up I was a little. Very okay. much the same. Like I okay. um okay, so let me I enjoy watching those shows. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy those shows. Okay. Uh, and I think I think for me, a lot of it is that I understand 
that there is a significant amount of artifice that is intentionally made as vis- as invisible as possible. Right. Um, and so I'm, I'm constantly trying to see if I can figure out like what's real. So for instance, I, I want to circle back to this when we actually get into kind of talking about some of the things the show hits on, but um, the couple uh, I've got to go look up their names, Lauren and uh, Cameron, the, the interracial couple. Yes. One yes. of the two interracial couples, the black and white couple. Yes. Uh, on the show, literally every conversation that they had and every interview that they had individually was about how they were interracial and how much, how, how important that was and how tense that was making everything and how much they worried about that moving into their future in the reunion episode, Lauren made this comment where she was like, Oh, I guess apparently that was a big deal for us. And it highlighted for me that the show pulled that theme out and edited it in such a way that it seemed like this was a big deal for them where for them, at least looking back. So if you haven't watched the show and you're just listening to this to save yourself from watching it, they filmed the entire thing like a year and a half ago. And then after the final episode premiered on Netflix, they like, they had all of the couples come together and watch the finale together. And then they filmed another episode that they called the reunion. So we were catching up with everyone like around 18 months after everything had happened. So it was in that. So, so at least for that couple who ended up getting married and being together a year plus after the event, they didn't feel like that was their main concern when they were doing this like weird dating show thing. Right. So, so like it was edited in such a way that obviously race is a big topic of conversation in our country right now. And they knew that leading with a couple who ended up with a happy ending, who was interracial would be good for their ratings. And then that was an artifice. But like, I I did think it was strange as I was watching the episode, I was like, man, Lauren seems to care a lot about this interracial stuff, but she's not actually asking him any questions about like his whiteness, how he engages in black spaces, like any of the things that I would think would be important to someone who, as she says, is so thoroughly about black girl magic. Um, But again, it it kind of turns out she wasn't that worried about it, or maybe they did have those conversations and they didn't air them or, or whatever. Right. And so for me, when I'm watching these shows, I'm always trying to figure that out. I'm like, can I see, you know, can I see the, the, the wires, so to speak? Um, and I always think to uh, Grace Ward or Grace Sandra, uh, she posted about it on Facebook and said that she was really stressed out by some of these people who needed to do more work on themselves before they went on these shows. And I commented and I said, but it's a reality dating show. Like the whole point of these is to exploit people who haven't done the work on themselves like that. <laughs> A dating show about healthy people dating, no one would watch that because there there would be so little drama. You know, they would have conflicts and engage them like adults and um, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I feel weird watching them because I know that these poor people are sort of being tortured for our amusement. Um, but I also found a few clips that I plan on using in premarital counseling. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah, no, I thought that was interesting too. the whole um, in the reunion show where they were talking about how that was completely fake. Uh, But at the same time, I understand from like the show's producers why they did that. The whole title and the science experiment is love is blind, right? So the assumption is that it's blind to race to what you look like. So that was like a huge kind of part of the science experiment. Let's be honest. They were kind of like the only really interracial couple. Um, And then there was a little spoiler in the middle when he was talking to her dad because he was talking about when his dad was questioning him, have you ever been the only white guy in a room of black people? And he was like, yeah, my ex that I was with for five years. Was- yes. <laughs> yeah. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so it's like not a thing to him, right? Like it's, so I was curious how, from that point on, I thought it was interesting that they kept going back to those conversations about uh, being an interracial couple, but I was like, it's like a moot point and now it's all marketing. So Right, right. And, and it was interesting too that they chose that for marketing because then it made me wonder, uh, who do they think their audience is and why, why would this be that important, right, for that? So... It, it was it was all it um, so fascinating <laughs> <laughs> to watch because of you know the the science behind that that whole like is love and is love blind can it really be 
possible to kind of fall in love and make that kind of decision based on conversations. So not even, so it's not even just not seeing, it's that you are not in the physical space together to have those conversations face to face. Right. Right. And as we're talking about race, it was uh, when I first started looking at it, the first episode you have like everyone, right? Right. I was kind of like for a show that's preaching inclusivity, there are no Asians. (laughs) (laughs) So it was funny too, because as I was binge watching. I was looking up different comments and people who had been like tweeting about it. And there were a couple things that I saw around that. And there was one comment (laughs) that made me laugh. It was like, oh, well, the Asians were smart enough not to like (laughs) fall for this. And we're like, oh, heck no. There's no way we are falling for this. Well, Clay and I were talking about that. I'm like, any Asian that was on that show and had to perform at the level that was required to be successful. And then you have to bring your families into it. I mean, we would all be disowned and murdered. Exactly. (laughs) So much sense, like after the fact. Right. Since that happens in real life anyway, when we are dating people in real life. Right, who are relatively could you normal. imagine? Right. And well, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, on a scale. So the idea, and I think you're right. There is something about the understanding that these dating reality shows at some point always involve family and close friends. And there's just no way. I just can't see that even happening like down the road. Uh, my daughter, who has not watched it, she's 24. And I was like, I would kill you. <laughs> Like I would, I would kill you. Okay, one so, because you would drop off the face of the earth. Like that, that, that's not okay. So I want to run. I want to run this down, Kathy, because okay. um, I don't believe you would actually murder her. But I, I, I am <laughs> no. curious. Bethany says yes, Ma. Yeah, I'm going on this reality dating show, and you won't have any contact with me for six weeks. So right there, that conversation, you're already angry. I assume. Right. Yes. Absolutely. But Absolutely. She, she's gone. Yes. And then she shows up six weeks later and she's like, here's my wedding invitation. Walk oh me God. through. Okay. Well, okay. So here, there is a problem with that. Um, I don't know if our, we've talked about this, so I don't know if our listeners know this. Peter and I did get engaged six weeks after we met. What? So there is that problem. That if she disappeared and then six weeks later said, hey, I'm getting married, there is some family precedent already set. But to my defense, Peter and I were not on a reality TV show, so... Not the same. Which would mean you probably spent less time together than, than she and her imaginary boo would have. In that six weeks. Mm, yes. <laughs> Data. Correct. Wow. <laughs> Peter, are you listening to this? JR is no longer staying with us. And if he does, we're not buying tequila. Uh Okay, so Jen, I'm, I would love to hear your thoughts about the format of the show. So the, you know, the 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 way it was at, I, again, I didn't see a lot of advertising. Most of, mostly what I saw was word of mouth. But what little little yeah. advertising I saw seemed only to advertise the first phase of the show, which was the blind dating in the pods for that ten day period. Yep. Right. So. Yep. Um, talk to me about how you, what you thought about that. And then also, uh, how, like, what did you think about when the show changed format several times as it went through the episodes? Yeah, I, I, I was drawn in by the pods, right? So I understood the science experiment part of the pods, like not being able to see through and all of that. I think they could have done a better job of explaining the other phases. I think they all kind of were like, you just were watching and it just happened. And then honestly, I didn't know that you had to stay like once you got engaged, that you had to actually go to the wedding. Like I didn't know that that was a requirement. So I wish that would have been explained a little bit more um, because I think that would have explained Jessica's behavior just a smidge more. Um, 
because it was obvious that she wasn't going to marry Mark, right? And her family really? didn't come. And, you know, like she spared her family the visit. She had like two of her girlfriends come, you know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I thought that part was like a little confusing. Um, but I thought the front setup was nice and easy and clean. Like I really appreciated what they were trying to do. It just turned into something completely different. Uh, what about you, Kathy? I, you know, I really didn't care. <laughs> because it's a lot for the ride. <laughs> right? It it really was. Once once the first few pod episodes aired or after I had watched the first like one first episode, really, the first pod episode, I was like, well, I guess I'm committed now. I need to see how this actually ends up because the whole idea of proposing that just blew me away. I think that was the that was the part that was weird was like wait. They won't see each other until someone proposes. That seems like that a disaster waiting to happen and it was. It was. So it was very fulfilling for me as a viewer. <laughs> Uh, How about you, JR? I mean, it made me roll my eyes quite a lot in those first few episodes <laughs> when they were like, I just, what if, what if they're not attractive? I'm like, you're on a reality <laughs> dating show. Like everyone's attractive. There's literally not an unattractive person in the entire bunch. Uh, so whatever. Um, <clears throat> but I, I genuinely, after the first episode, I was like, I don't know how they can sustain this for an entire season. Like this was fine for an episode, maybe two, but it's going to get real boring real fast to just watch them sit and talk to each other. Right. Like watch people who aren't particularly good at conversation, <laughs> make conversations for an entire hour is not fun. Right. And they didn't do that much in the first episode of bad dates. I mean, they had the one where it was the one white guy and the one black woman. And yes. he was like, Oh, you sound black. And she's like, what's that supposed to mean? You know? Right. And then I think it was, um, uh, Bennett when he was talking with diamond and he was like, Oh, oh you're a stripper, huh? And she was like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there were a couple of those that were funny, but mostly it was showing like good chemistry. And then again, the first episode ended with Lauren and Cameron going ahead and getting engaged. Like it kind of fast forwarded, through the whole 10 days for them. So I was really confused. I was like, are we going to get like an engagement at the end of each episode or what's happening? You know, and obviously I right. think it was three episodes in when they wrapped it all up, they all got to see each other and then, uh, head to the second off phase. To their, yeah. yeah. The, so, the and, vacation. I mean, gosh, <laughs> it made me so sad that they didn't have a couples therapist on call. <laughs> I wonder if they did behind the scenes. You know? I, well, okay. So here's my suspicion. I wondered oh. that too, but I was like, no, that'd be bad for ratings. Hmm. I'm sure they had a psychologist who was like, okay, now do this to them. Right. Okay. Now do this. Oh, make sure you have a camera here. You know what I mean? Like sure, I'm sure they had someone yeah. making sure to catch the drama, but mm -hmm. like, oh, uh, are you, are, are you all cool? Oh, go ahead, Kathy. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I kind of want to start talking to the couples because I wanted to say something yes. really specific about one of the couples. Um, but I think that would pivot us into, okay. Well, I, real quick though, I want to say for any of us who have been through therapy, I do wonder what it would have been like because I know when I go to therapy, I am so messed up. Like I come home and I'm a wreck. I'm like, I need a nap. I need to like, wow. And so I do feel like that actually could have been equally fascinating as people would come out of like a session. So not necessarily like couples therapy, but individual therapy to like then have to come back and re-engage after having somebody help you process your dysfunction. And would that have changed it at all? That I think would have been interesting, but that wasn't their point. They just wanted a train wreck. So, you know. And also, I think we need to remember that the time that they were there, the six weeks, it's kind of like going to summer camp. It just feels like super right. intense and like lifelong. You know, we've all been to like four weeks yeah. where we have like best friends for life. Like I can't even imagine the intensity. And right. then I also think just with reality television, we've kind of reached a new threshold, I feel like, because these guys were not only hand raisers. I thought it was interesting that they almost all had a persona that they wanted to be. Mm. and let it play out mm -hmm. on TV. Like that mm -hmm. Gia Gianna, I never get her name right. 
the one Giannina. That's Giannina. Yes, yes, um, yes. You can tell she's all like girl power. I'm independent. Yes, you know whatever. But her behavior doesn't match who she wants to be. Like it's complete. Like the guy said no to her at the altar, and they're still dating with like separate yes. houses. You know, like <laughs> I, I was just like, what? Like uh, I like the proposal that was the, my most cringeworthy proposal when she was like, no, I'm gonna get down on my knee. I was like, yes. Ah! I was like in a ball on the floor. Um, so. I got what she, so I think it's like a new level of reality because you kind of come prepared with like a persona. Like, right, right, right. Because they also are the generation that have grown up with reality TV shows. This is the norm on many different platforms and social media and, you know, you already have a platform. And so, yes, I that is a great point. That's I a great point. Lauren and Cameron were the ones that kind of came with the persona and still kind of kept it. Mm-hmm. They seem like the most normal, but it's almost like they agreed to like be these people. Like, you know, Cameron was this guy that has dated interracial people before. He was open to like whatever it was. Like Lauren was like a mark. She's a content creator. She's like a yes. marketer. You know? <laughs> well, and this again, is her jam. It- like the way she talked, it very much seemed like she was very, uh, I'll just say woke, right? Like she mm-hmm, was very mm-hmm. much like about black empowerment and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And I-, I actually felt quite a few times it felt like she was like biting her tongue or toning down her rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I just, it made me wonder if they were, if they were having conversations that were not being aired about things like black lives matter or, you know, stuff like that. What, what it meant again, what it means for a white person to be operating in predominantly black spaces and vice versa, you know, cause I would assume uh, that if a white person is dating a black person, those would be really important conversations to have before you get married, you know? Um, Yeah. My, but they didn't show any of that. They didn't. My guess is that they did. And because it was so controversial, it would change the tone of the show, which is why they could only lean in on the interracial kind of theme. That's my guess. Because they both seem like open to having those conversations, you know? Um, And they're still together. Spoilers. mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And if you're going to agree to be on a show like that, particularly for the Black participants, you have to be open Mm -hmm. to being in an interracial relationship. You have to be open. Whereas I feel like that's not necessarily the case for any of the white participants. They really can at some point opt out based on their questions, how they choose to interact. But for the black participants, I feel like you know that there's only a handful. (laughs) So. Well, and to your point, no Asian participants at all. Uh, (laughs) One Hispanic man, one Hispanic woman. Mm-hmm. Mark mm-hmm. and uh, Giannina. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then, well, what? I think I saw three total black women. There might have been more. And one black guy? Carlton. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking if there were more that didn't make it, if they showed right. more. Because, like, they showed one black woman who didn't make the cut, wasn't so featured. to speak. Yeah. Um, and then they had Diamond and Lauren. Uh but yeah, very much predominantly white. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, okay, so question: Which couple was the most heartbreaking for you? In what? Like what? Do you like wear? you were just the yeah. saddest about, and I'm li- vague as possible. Either a couple that you were pulling for that didn't make it, or one that got together that you were like, no, don't do this, or whatever. Who's the couple that kept kissing? <laughs> Kelly, Kelly is oh, a girl. Kelly, Kelly and Kenny. Kelly and Kenny. I just. <gasps> oh yeah. I just felt yes. so bad for them. They were like examples of like two really sad, really lonely people that like really wanted a partner, and like yes, it just never got there. Like yeah. <laughs> It just felt bad for both of them the whole time. Yeah, yeah. it was interesting because when they first when they first moved into the second phase, it mm-hmm. seemed like she was so all in. Mm-hmm. And then literally the longer it went on, the more you could see that she just like never progressed from where she was when she entered in. And he kept yeah. he kept, I think, growing in his affection for her and wanting, you know, really was all in. And she was just like, you're nice. Exactly. 
Exactly. I, I just felt bad for both of them. Okay. Oh, it's funny that you were like, oh, you know, the couple that kept kissing. I was like, oh, I don't. <laughs> Kathy, what about you? Oh, I don't know. I think for me, it would have been Diamond and Carlton because you could see that this was a train wreck mm-hmm. and it didn't necessarily need to be because I kept thinking, how do you not tell yeah. the person you are pod dating that you are? And I don't, does he ever say bisexual? I feel like he just talks about, yeah. Yeah. But however he wants to identify himself, how do you not? And then again, I don't know because I speak from a place of straight privilege. I've never had to kind of wrestle with my sexuality and identifying and naming and sharing and talking about that with somebody. But but I guess I guess that speaks to people's expectations and a different generation that is like but it just was so heartbreaking because I felt like uh there was for me some excitement around a black couple on this kind of train wreck of a show <laughs> and how that could play out in this particular experiment around love being blind is love blind. And then because he had not said, and the way it all Mm. transpired was like, oh, why? It was so, it was painful to watch. It was so hard. It was sad. That that was the same for me. And that was, that's actually one of the, that argument is one of the ones that I, I seriously want to show during premarital counseling, because I think it's a, it's a perfect is the wrong word, but it's like a, a quintessential example of a couple whose emotions get in the way of the conversation. Yes. Um, Great. They were having two different arguments in that moment. Yes. And they were so angry and hurt and scared that they couldn't, they couldn't put the emotions to the side and hear each other. You know, um, diamond was, I think very legitimately, angry. Like we've spent all this time talking, you proposed to me. And yet there was something that you felt was a big enough deal that it's causing this anxiety in you. And you didn't tell me like, I'm hurt Yep, that you would keep that from me and not tell me. And I need a little bit of space to try to process this. And Carlton is saying, this is really scary for me. I'm taking a risk. I'm afraid of rejection. Uh, so it's been really hard for me to build up to this. And then what he's feeling is like homophobia. Right. Right. Whereas I, right. I didn't get the sense that Diamond was necessarily either. had any problem with him being right. bi or, or however he wants to identify. Right. Right. Um, she just, <laughs> it was a big, big piece of new information she needed to sure. process, you know. Yeah. Um, and and yet he, I think, as soon as he put it out there, he needed reassurance, mm-hmm. um, which, again, I understand, like been in that kind of a space too, where you share something really scary and you need to be told it's okay right away. Um, but then of course, because they, and I, I think you saw this in the reunion, you saw, I, I, I really appreciated Carlton's like genuine, it felt to me like a genuine heartfelt apology for the way he mm-hmm. behaved. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we should always record ourselves fighting and then be forced to watch it a few days later. Maybe that oh, would be Lord. really, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It was just, I was uh, like, much like you, Kathy, I, I thought that they had good chemistry. I thought they could mm-hmm. work really well together. Mm-hmm. And I was genuinely grieved that um, such a serious and difficult issue um, was clouded by emotion rightfully. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and again, this was, this was the place where I said, I wish they had had a counselor on site mm. who could go to them separately if necessary and say, Let, let's kind of process through together what happened. And can we, can we come back together and find some kind of a way to have an honest conversation, you know? Oh yeah. And you know, as we're talking, um, I'm realizing part of my sadness and anger around, uh, what happened to them is that 
they were the black couple, mm. <laughs> right? And this is not a black issue, mm-hmm. but they were the black couple. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, the rooting for is that there are so few people of color who are on these shows for various reasons, right? There have been a lot of, there's been a lot of talk around the shows like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, how it is. It's, it's not diverse. It's very white. Uh, the world of reality TV shows in general seems to be very white. Huh. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> and then to have this very, um, unique, rare experience of being able to watch a black couple. And then it's around the issue of sexuality. And then for it to blow up the way it did, I felt like, oh, that that's not fair. Mm-hmm. That is not fair. And because it was so, it's such a real, timely, serious issue. And I, you know, and it is a point of judgment around the other couple's most some of the other couples where it's like what Barnett, you know, like he's portrayed as this player and it just looks like <laughs> all around. Like we all know somebody who's like that. And you're like, Oh, why does he keep showing up at these social functions? Like, what is my connection to him? Um, but for diamond and Carlton, I felt like that wasn't, I didn't like that. I didn't like that for the only black couple. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, was the, what couple frustrated you the most, <laughs> or individual? Let's do both. Which couple frustrated you the most? We'll do which individual frustrated you the most. Mm. It's a tie. I'd like to say Jessica <laughs> and Mark were super annoying because we all knew that they weren't going to be together. So I felt like it was like a setup and it was kind of drawn out too long in my Hang opinion. on, Jen. That's the second time you've made a comment like that. And I would love <laughs> I would love to just interrogate that. Um, say more. Yeah, because I, I agree with you, but I don't know that everyone knew they weren't going to be together. <laughs> Mark sure didn't. <laughs> I mean, I felt like, again, this so is the persona. Like, even if he knew, since he had to go to the altar, he wanted to be known as the good guy. Yeah. Like, I felt like he acted through that. Like, he's probably going to get, like, girls lining up. Like, he's a personal trainer, you know, lining up to, like, date him. So if you have a choice and you know you need to go to the altar, are you going to be the asshole? Or are you going to, like... Just be like, hey, I'm going to take the high road in every freaking situation. You know, like, you still got it in. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so what, what makes you think, what, how, did you, how did you know it wasn't going to happen? I mean, just Jessica in general. You know, I mean, she's just a train wreck. Like, uh, kudos to her for coming back on the show and apologizing. I thought that yes. was very big of her. And I can empathize like you're again, like you're six weeks, you're in a cubicle, you don't have any people around you to tell you that you're acting not in a good way. Right. So I get how like, you know, the wine and everything else, like how she can make bad decisions and rejection is tough in general. Again, they're on the show because they want to move forward. So if Barnett's going to reject her, then she still wants to be on the show. She doesn't want to go home. So I get why she probably dragged out the Mark thing. Um, I still don't think it's right. but. but yeah, I think they were the most annoying. And then Amber and Barnett are annoying for other reasons. I just <laughs> what reasons? Because <laughs> Jen, that gross guy, Kathy, that we all don't want to know, and keep wondering why he keeps popping up. He's that guy, right. um, super annoying. And then Amber is just literally like, I mean, I hate using this word against a fellow woman, but she's just like a gold digger. Like, you know, she wants to be on TV. She had no job. Like, she literally was like, I need someone to pay all my bills and do everything, and I want to do nothing. Like, at least (laughs) pretend. Like, you are on national television. Like, at least pretend you want to try. Like, I was so annoyed with her. In many ways, Amber was my favorite character because I felt like, I felt like, no, because I felt like she was the least artificial. I mean, yeah, she says it. She's like, I have no filter. Yeah, I felt like, I was like, I feel like I, I feel like if I hung out with Amber in real life, it would be more or less the exact same as what I'm seeing right now. Like, <laughs> I, and, and she didn't lie about anything. She was 
She said oh. she was. She was like, "I'm crazy. I want to just lay around and not do anything and have someone." Pay. I mean, she like she said all that. It wasn't fake. It was like, fucking okay. Like no, but but here here's the thing. In dating, I think it's really good to put all your cards on the table, and, and then if the person, if the person, no, if the person is into that, they're into that, and if they're not, you save yourself some time and some heartache. True. I mean, I mean, seriously, I, I, I would never in a million years date Amber. I think she'd be a hilarious person to have as a friend. <laughs> I would love being in the same room as her when she beats someone up because she went insane. Um, but yeah, I would never in a million years, in a million years, date her. Never. But I, on the show, again, in that place that's so artificial and so controlled right. and so manufactured, where all these people, as you said, are leaning into personas. I felt like she was just Amber, and I was like, I like, I have to respect that. That's amazing. Right. Uh, and she was hilarious. And she ended up being, like, far from the most skeezy person on the show. Yeah, you're right. Like, have some, mm-hmm. Ugh, okay. I'm I know. like Amber and said, I, I hear you, but I'm not there yet. Quote yes! <laughs> Kathy, what about you and Amber? Talk to us about your relationship. With Amber? Yeah. I didn't. Um, I did not like her. <laughs> and again, I think I feel similarly to my Korean American <laughs> co-host, Jen, right? Like as a woman, I want to say like, yeah, you can choose whatever expression of feminism, but darn it. <laughs> Like, why that? Do we have to allow that one? You know, like- right, right. And there, and again, um, it, there is some there is some privilege to her as a white woman to be able to play that off mm-hmm. and still come out with the guy. Yep, and still at the end be able to say, "Well, I'm not there yet," right? <laughs> like, because again. I just feel like that's not allowed, even in reality TV yep. shows, for people of color or, um, yeah, for people of color to be that person. Mm-hmm. And and so Amber just, she was also like she was the, she was the female to the Barnett, which is why it was perfect mm-hmm. for them to be together in that way, and. I don't know, um, Jr. I I don't know if I feel like well because they were in that way the most honest and like kind of consistent. Because I I don't know he right? wasn't again, honest and consistent. He I hated Barnett, but <laughs> and I think he got what he deserved with Amber. Like good <laughs> good job, dude. Like you're why why you're, do you think it wasn't honest why why and why did you hate him so much i mean i had my own reasons uh i mean i just i know that guy that is sleazy that keeps three or four women on the burner at a time mm-hmm. because he doesn't want to commit because he's always mm-hmm. convinced something else is going to be coming better around the corner um and i just think i just think that's a bad way to move in relationships Right. Um, I thought, and, and again, I thought he was dishonest. Right. I mean, he told all three of those girls like he treated them like they were the only one, instead of saying, instead of being a lot more honest and saying, you know, yeah, I like you, I'm into you. Let's see where this goes. I mean, he doesn't have to say like I'm talking to 16 other chicks and I like them all equally. Like he doesn't have to say that, <laughs> right? Like they haven't made any promises to each other. But when he's saying, when oh, we, we're watching him, tell them, right. yeah, like you're the one that if I had to choose right now, I would choose. Um, and even if that is literal, like I can imagine how that could yeah. be literally true in the moment for him. In the moment, right? Yes. When I'm in the room and Jessica's on the other side of the screen, that's how I'm feeling. Oh, now Amber's in here, and now that's how I feel. But like you have to be, I don't know. You don't have to. You can do anything you want. It's free country, and it makes for good drama on a reality show. But I think res- I think a responsible choice in a situation like this, and a respectful choice, is to. Uh, be careful with how you're treating the other person and how you're engaging their emotions. And obviously he wasn't interested in that. Now I do have to say he did win me over a little bit. Once he was with Amber, he was a hundred percent with Amber. And like when Jessica got super wasted and was like falling all over him, you know, and she was like, I just feel like we have this special connection. And he was like, he like took her hand and like put it back on her leg. And he was like, we have such a good connection 
as friends. But, no, yeah. he said as friends. And he was oh, like, yes. like, he was like very clear, clear, you know, and, and like, yep, we're friends. That's fine. He was trying to be kind. Mm-hmm. And he understood that she was like, you could just see it, right? She's drunk. This is awkward for everybody. And I'm just going to try to like kindly as possible remove myself. And you, and again, this is another place where I actually had some respect for Amber. Like she was across the room. She saw that they were talking and I was like, oh, she's going to break her wine glass and like stab Jessica through the back. Right. And she didn't. And it wasn't even, I was like, maybe she's going to fight with Barnett. Like I was expecting her to go full crazy, jealous girlfriend. Cause that was mm-hmm. kind of the persona that she had given off. She didn't even mention it. And, and what I really got from her was I'm with Barnett and I trust him. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, that's way more mature than I expected out of her. Um, and to the point that even when, when like, apparently she didn't find out any of that happened until they watched it. When it aired on Netflix, you know, and she meant she was like angry at the reunion because for her finding out that Jessica had been saying this stuff to Barnett was really fresh. And again, she wasn't mad at Barnett, even though I've seen relationships like that where the one partner gets mad at the other one for getting hit on. Right. You know, and it's like, right. I didn't yes, do anything. Yes. I was just, you know, yes. I was, like, I was um, just here. Yeah. And she didn't like she reserved all of her anger for where it was rightfully directed. Um, I did think it was amazing that she threatened to like killer or whatever i was like yes <laughs> but i don't this know is I, like, great television i was actually really impressed with how well they worked together in a relationship on that level i i expected their crazies to create a, a like a hurricane mm-hmm. <laughs> and instead mm-hmm. like it worked somehow mm-hmm. you know uh, in that way, again, I, I think when they were trying to figure out how to mesh their lives together and Barnett was like, yes, I'm a successful engineer who owns my own home and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I don't have a job and have mountains of debt and never finish college. And he was like, huh? <laughs> I'm like, well, I one credit card for makeup only. Yeah. That's like, yeah. Important. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about what the producers were thinking on just the whole Barnett slut show, you know, of him talking to all the girls, because in the reunion, it did turn out that Lauren had like a pretty strong relationship. That was a relationship. Mm-hmm. They were talking every day all through the end. And that was only revealed in the reunion. Do you think that mm-hmm. was? Well, they, I thought, I thought I remembered that right up until the end, it was, it was Elsie. Okay. Uh, uh, what, Jennifer, Jesse, what's her name? The one with Mark. Why did I just blank on her name? Jessica. Jessica. Thank you. Oh, yes. Elsie, Jessica, and Amber. Like Mm -hmm. they, and and we never got a lot of him and Elsie. We got a little bit, but like I felt like to the end, it was, it was that those were the three women that he kind of had in rotation. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Maybe because he was already gross enough. (laughs) I don't know. Right. Like, I think that it was pretty clear early on that he was he was a fan favorite for all of the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. He's good but, TV, not a good partner. <laughs> but, you know, you're right, Jennifer, because I do think that there's something about like why again, why let what happened with Carlton and Diamond happen mm-hmm. and not let things really play out? in reality with the fact that Barnett and again, there were a lot of us who didn't like him, but really kind of flesh that out. Mm-hmm. That would have been, I feel like as more, more honest, which is so funny because again, it's a reality TV show. And, you know, to your point, JR about Amber and Barnett, we actually don't know if they had those fights behind the scene and we don't know what that interaction really was like Um, because everything is so highly produced Mm -hmm. that we are, we only see what the producers wanted to see, wanted us to see. And I think that again, for me is that frustrating part around certain storylines, but you know, Barnett and Amber, I hope, do I hope that everything works out? I don't know. I'm going to be honest there. Like, I'm I don't, conflicted. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so I have two kind of like serious questions as we, as we kind of move towards wrap up. Um, mm-hmm. 
One is that question of is love blind? And I think I want to ask it more this way because I think it's, it's silly to, to frame it that way. But we saw two, uh, uh, arguably three interracial couples, uh, Mark mm -hmm. and Jessica, uh, uh, Damien and Giannina, and then obviously Cameron and Lauren. Um, I feel like saying love is blind, so your race or your nationality or your culture doesn't matter is the same as saying that I'm colorblind and I don't see race, mm -hmm. right? So, um, Kathy, just, you know, briefly before we kind of dive into this, like, what, like, for maybe folks who haven't really thought through this a lot, like, why is saying I'm colorblind such a problem? Uh, because, well, one, I mean, in reality, nobody actually wants to be colorblind, right? So that term in and like of itself. Like literally colorblind where I can't right, see color? Like, yeah. Right, exactly. Like that's not something you're striving for. So I just think that that's a weird way of talking about race. And to say, to prove you're anti-racist, to say that you're colorblind, because we are a racialized society and culture, and we still are. And then you can deny that, but the reality is that there are still policies in place that historically were built around the fact that this country has always racialized people. So I don't, and then as, as Christians, I don't believe that we should pretend something that God has created in terms of our differences and those differences being good and very good should be ignored and that somehow that's all neutral. Uh, and we can argue about race is a social construct and that's not what God intended, but, but God created you— as a, well, you weren't bearded when you were born, but there you are, a bearded white man. And here I am, and Jen, <laughs> right? Korean, Korean American women. I, I also don't want anyone to ignore the fact that I'm a woman, right? So I think that's why the, the term colorblind is a problem and wrong. Uh, Jen, you're in interracial uh, marriage. Yeah. And I wonder what, you know, having, having navigated that, um, and continuing to, I guess, can, you know, living in that reality, um, how, how does the idea of this, like, you know, love being blind and not taking the other person's culture, race background into account, how does that, how does that strike you? I mean, that's why I wanted to watch the show because I wanted to see if, there was a way that love could be blind because in my life, that's impossible. Um, and I agree with Kathy that, you know, that takes away the beauty of humanity. You know, like I think I've heard people talk about the melting pot, pot and wouldn't it be great if we were all a melting pot? I mean, a melting pot would end up being like a weird brown color. Like it would just be one color, you know, like um, I think the salad kind of story visual like makes a lot more sense. It's colorful. There's lots of, you know, we all bring our own kind of identity to the table. And I think that's what makes love beautiful. You know, um, the journey of working with clay, I mean, loving clay and getting to know all of him has also been completely educational. Like I know he talks about it all the time. Like he had no idea like what the struggles of a woman of color are. Right. And he's mm -hmm. kind of gone along this journey and learned all these things about Asian people, about other people of color, you know, and he feels like more complete, like a better human because of it. I think that's the beauty of having interracial relationships and just continuing to appreciate the salad in life, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although I'll push back on the salad analogy because not, so if y'all could see our chat, it'd be funny, but like the salad analogy here in the U S I always think about, um, what the salad dressing of choice is around here. And it's always ranch, ranch. dressing, right? <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay, well, you, you have this beautiful salad and then you're just going to like pour this like white creamy oh mm, thing that. on top of it. And it's so funny too, because like total aside, Corbin had a couple of his friends come over and I had made, I don't know, like chicken nuggets or something like that. And I, I still cannot stop laughing when I think about how one of the kids 
asked, do you have ranch dressing? And I just burst out in laughter. And I was like, I'm so sorry. No, actually, (laughs) I don't have ranch dressing. (laughs) I have some less spicy barbecue sauce, but no. And she was like, how can you not have ranch dressing? And I was like, "Mm." You haven't fully you, enculturated into the right. Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. And and we I was laughing and I was like, You have you not noticed something about our home and your friend of like several years? But uh you know, the other thing about being colorblind and the whole idea of love is blind is that it's just your one sense of vision. And I think that's what's so tricky is that there are the realities around race and culture are much deeper than your skin, right? It's much deeper than your appearance. And that's what's so hard because we do know uh, folks who can pass and and then something happens when it's not just the external. It is the cultural values. It's uh, introducing your extended family. It's traditions. It's the way you communicate. Um, it's how you might be treated by somebody who doesn't who says you're not white enough to pass. So I think that's the tricky part around this experiment is that. I think it was, for me, it was really much more about like, oh, well, can people fall in love and then lust after each other, having not seen somebody that they think is visually attractive? That was, for me, that seemed to be the game. Even though, again, we know we're on a reality dating show, so everyone right. is going to be visually attractive. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I wish I could have sat down with these guys and these and these girls separately with, like, a sketch artist and said, like, walk, walk me through your worst-case scenario. Just, like, tell me, tell me, like, if you get the ugliest person on the other side of the screens, like, describe that person to me and just right. see, like, how ugly do you, like, this, let's be real here. <laughs> right, right. Um... So I will say that probably the the couple's story that I actually had the most problem with was actually Cameron and Lauren's. Mm. And it was because their entire uh their entire struggle with being an interracial couple, which again seems based on the reaction in the in the reunion to be largely manufactured, but it was it was presented through such a white lens. Mm-hmm. It was Cameron doesn't care. Mm-hmm. This is a problem maybe for Lauren. It's almost certainly a problem for her dad. And they're mm-hmm, they're making mm-hmm. it a black thing. Right, right, right. You know, um, there was there was never, except Jen, where you pointed out in the conversation with her dad, where Cameron says, oh, I, I've dated a black woman before. There was never a time when Cameron was able to say, uh, yeah, you know, um, there are some real issues that face uh, black people. And, you know, uh, for me to be a person of privilege going into black spaces or with a black partner, there was never any question about, like, what will happen when you're in public and someone says something to her? Like, will you stand up for her and her blackness? Well, you know, there was right. never and it, it was never a do you understand the struggle of blackness in America? And are you prepared to be an ally in that? It was, wow, are we still talking about the black thing? Like, isn't love blind, mm-hmm. you know? And so that really bothered me a lot. Like, and, and I, <laughs> I would love to hear Lauren. Uh, I would love to hear what was behind the sarcasm in her comment that she made on the reunion, because I, I can't imagine that she was pleased with how it was portrayed in mm-hmm. the show. Um, and, and again, it just, it really bothered me, uh, because all three of the interracial couples had issues when they came to meeting their families. And that's part of it, right? Our families are part of different cultures and that, and, and, you know, Jessica could not understand how Mark could be so close with his mom. Right. Even though that's such an important part of Hispanic culture. Right. Uh, same with Giannina and her family. Um, so anyway, I, yeah, I, I don't have anything intelligent to add to what the two of you said that in our, like our race and our culture is part of what makes us beautiful and to ignore that. So um, one last thing is I know we need to wrap up. I was really struck in the reunion by how people reacted to seeing themselves on camera. (laughs) Um, And and again, I I think in a way this was a gift to someone like a Jessica who is 
pretty obviously not very self-reflective and doesn't know how she appears to mm-hmm. the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Someone like Carlton, who was yeah. desperately struggling with how will he be accepted, and but was so in his own head, he couldn't mm-hmm. see what that was doing to the people around him. And and so I wonder, uh, and this this is maybe an unfair question, so f- feel free to call foul. I was how is there a way for us who are not going to go on a reality dating show or encourage our children to do so? Um, is there a way for us to gain that kind of self-reflection? Because I think, I think that's something that is rarer than it could be. Kathy, you mentioned therapy already, individual therapy. I think that's one great way, you know, that we can have someone hold up a mirror to us. Sure, sure. And it was interesting, too, because I had talked about that um, to a group of Asian American college students recently. And I uh, then had a, another conversation privately with one of the students. And she had a really helpful kind of pushback in that even that individual counseling is a very Western construct, right? It's individual, it's one-on-one. And that for many people, it's it's a family issue, right? There are things that happen in your childhood and all that kind of stuff. And so maybe not just individual therapy, but what would it look like to be in the group in a group of your peers? Or we talk about family therapy, but maybe friendship therapy, like because I do think that there's something about the group of friends as adults that you are trusting. What would it look like to have that kind of lens? come back at you. But other than other than a reality TV show, I honestly can't think of anything. Um, well, maybe not to that level. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jenna, what about you? Are there, I mean, I, again, I know you have to do like you, you coaching and that kind of stuff anyway. So like, are there, are there different techniques or strategies that you found helpful? Well, I, I'm going to just kind of take it back and say that there were a couple people that saw themselves on TV and didn't change at all. Gia, Gia, (laughs) whatever her name is, is like a perfect example. Like she's owning and moving forward exactly as is, you know? Um, And I think that applies to therapy. I think it applies to feedback. I mean, I've seen with the people that I coach that are kind of looking for new jobs and new roles and college students, you know, they have a really hard time taking feedback. And (laughs) I feel like people that are open to it will watch them on TV, watch themselves on TV, will talk to someone and make decisions. I think for Jessica, this was probably like a a very like full blown version that like can't really be replicated in real life. So kudos to her for like watching that and trying to improve, but there aren't really other ways that you can do that. I think a lot of it kind of goes back to you. Like, are you seeking that feedback? Do you have that self-awareness? Um, have you been taught to like have a self-awareness check moment and ask for that feedback? Because I just don't think our society is really, whether it's friends, I think families try, but they also kind of give up sometimes and coddle. So I don't think there is like a uniform group of people and a therapist only hears your side of the story. Right, right. You know, that I think it has to go to back to the individual. Like if you're looking for it, there are ways to find it. But if you're not, I, I just don't think, I think even you're going to be Gian Nana on TV, you know? Like. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you know, the only thing I would add is have some good friends who are going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. find some people, find, find some people who love you enough to tell you hard things. And mm-hmm. again, to Jen's point, if you're not willing to hear it and receive it and, uh, you know, the Bible differentiates between hearing and listening. Yes. <laughs> if you're yes. not willing to listen yeah. to it, then you're right. not going to hear it. You know, people right. are going to try once or twice and then they're just going to say, okay, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to listen. So, okay, I right. won't say it. I, you know, it's, it's not worth hurting their feelings. Yeah. It's not worth wounding the relationship if it's not going to heal stronger. Right. right. And so if we're not willing to listen, you know, but I think if we are, if we can cultivate those friendships mm-hmm. where people are willing, are, are able to tell us tough things and we can receive them and meditate on them and, you know, incorporate them and grow. I think that's how, how we'd be healthy. Yeah. So yeah. Any final thoughts on love is blind? Are you excited for season two? <laughs> that's the only way the good place taught us, right? You have to repeat the experiment. Otherwise, your results are not scientifically valid. 
I mean, yeah, this was a dirty science experiment. So I I feel like I have to watch the second one. Makes me a little sad. I mean, it just speaks to the next generation. Like online dating isn't enough. Like, you know, I was a lonely girl in New York, like dating online. Like I get it. Um, Anyone, anyone can love me. That would be amazing. You know, like I get it. But I think the show is like sadder step of The Bachelor. You know, like mm-hmm. I thought Bachelor was bad, um, yeah. but this shows just how lonely people are, how desperate they are for a companion. And, you know, as much as we laugh about it and eye roll, like it's actually a sad marker and indicator of where people are in society. So, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to watch again. <laughs> and it, 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 to be honest, and it yeah, was um, on the, on the show, we had talked about, briefly about this. And I remember watching, I think I watched maybe two or three seasons of The Bachelor and I cannot believe that it's still on, Mm -hmm. but it does speak to the loneliness and the continued and maybe the deepening of the loneliness and disconnection, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that we now have technology to connect us to people that we would not be connected to otherwise. And so I've, I've talked to Bethany um, quite a bit about like, I don't know how your generation does this um, and how hard that must be with online dating and not just online, like a computer in the old days, but it's now on your phone, right? It's a swipe that uh, the the fear that it will never happen, I think is even deeper mm-hmm. because of these multiple avenues that people are supposed to now have um, frightens me. It actually, like it's sad and it's kind of horrifying mm-hmm. when I think about it. And so I have said to Bethany, like, I'm, it's horrifying. Like, I can't imagine what that must be like. Um, so I don't think I will watch it, but I don't know. I could be if it pops up on that group thread again, I, <laughs> I could be easily swayed. You succumb to peer pressure. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll definitely watch you? it again because, you know, I'll have it on in the background while I'm working and it'll be a dumpster <laughs> fire. And, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for it. So, all right. Well, that's our thoughts on Love is Blind. I realized about 10 minutes into our recording that we're so comfortable with Jen that we forgot our major important welcoming ritual when we have a guest for the first time oh, on the yes. fascinating podcast, uh, which I know it's not your first time, Jen, but uh, we do say. need to know, <laughs> we do need to know uh, what fascinates you in life. Oh gosh. I actually didn't prepare for this today. Um, so what's that's my fascin- fault. I apologize. Fascinating. COVID-19 is taking over my world. <laughs> so that probably checks three boxes, work, life. Also, um, just making sure that our parents, mm-hmm. it's weird. Like it's like the millennials are listening, the Gen Zs are crazy, and then our parents' generation is also slightly insane, like mm-hmm. not listening. Um, so that's taking over my life. Other than that, uh, related is I just finished Kingdom season two, Woo-hoo! so um, still processing and need to do a rewatch because I'm so blown away and impressed. Um, let's see. Let's think of something positive. We finally get to start it this weekend. Ooh. So hopefully, hopefully we'll, I will be able to join in the conversations. I had to mute our, our group chat because y'all were talking about it. I was like, la, 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 (laughs) la. So I can't wait to unmute Um, that and rejoin, rejoin. Yes, please, please come back to us, JR. Um, (laughs) and the third is I'm watching to see what all of this will produce in a positive way. Um, We just had uh, kind of like a learnings from our China president. And it was interesting, like in the recovery phase, you know, the, obviously we're facing quite a loss on a number of fronts, but I think there, it's an opportunity for innovation Mm. to see um, what amazing innovative ideas and business models come out of this. Because I know even just, figuring out working from home for our agency. We've already had some really interesting ways to connect. And, you know, we had like our first round of meeting. This was like our first week fully from home. And, you know, even though there are challenges, there have been some really great positive things. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see like kind of, you know, what our new reality is going to be. Like I told Clay, like, this is like Shark Tank on another level. Yes. Shit, you know. and really solve for problem like human problem 
Mm-hmm. Right. Now. All right. Well, uh, this has been our episode on Love is Blind. Uh, big uh, Again, we just can't seem to do a short episode anymore. So no apologies for the extra content during quarantine. But uh, we would love to hear what you think of Love is Blind at Facebook.com slash Fascinating Podcast or on Twitter using hashtag Fascinating. Jencho, uh, if people want to connect with you online and follow more of the cool stuff you're into and the stuff you're doing, uh, what are the best ways to connect? a LinkedIn or Instagram. So I'm Jennifer Cho, CHO on LinkedIn. And um, on Instagram, I'm Ms. MS underscore J Cho. Excellent. Uh, We'll put all those in the links at the show notes at fascinatingpodcast.com. We'll be back with more great content to keep you busy during quarantine. Until then, take care of yourselves out there. Thanks uh, to Jen Cho for joining us on this side of the microphone. And obviously, it wasn't the first time. Certainly won't be the last time. Uh, Take care of yourselves out there or in there, I guess. You better be staying inside. Uh, Social distancing. And uh, stay safe. Thanks, friends.